Welcome to Soul Talk, soulful conversations exploring who you are, why you're here, and how to live your most authentic life. My name is Coop Blackson, nationally best-selling author of You Are The One, transformational teacher, and your host. I invite you to subscribe to the Soul Talk podcast for weekly inspiration from me, where I will share with you some powerful ideas, thoughts, and practical life wisdom to help you live life more fully, freeing yourself from your past, reclaiming your power, and living your true life's purpose. You can also go to www.coopblackson.com, enter your name and email to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment. Let's get started with Soul Talk. Welcome back, folks. Welcome back to another very, very, very special episode of the Soul Talk podcast. I have been really looking forward to this one. Uh, The woman I'm about to introduce you to is someone I've long respected for many, 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 many years, have not had the chance to meet her in person. So today is a first, even though it's virtually. Uh, She doesn't know, but her work, her company has actually very much impacted my life. 22 years ago, I first started listening to uh, some of the audios and the CDs and audios that her company Sounds True put out and uh, probably listened to... 200, if not more, plus uh, different uh, audio titles that really impacted my life profoundly from various authors and teachers. And there were some uh, dark nights of the soul that sounds true uh, programs got me through. So uh, today, folks, it's my pleasure to introduce you to the founder of Sounds True, Tammy Simon. Welcome. Thank you, Coot. Thanks so much. What a beautiful introduction. Really touched my heart. Thank you. It's great to, great to be with you, honestly. And uh, I want to just delve in. I have so many questions. I want to delve into uh, a lot today, but I'd love to just start, especially to set the context for folks. Sounds true. I'm curious about the journey to Sounds True. I'm curious about what inspired you to start Sounds True. Was there an event? Was there a moment? I know I read that you started it at 22. It was like so young. I mean, this is like... Yeah. It's young enough to start a business, but then a spiritual endeavor-inspired business, that's even more unique. And so what, what led to that? What was the inspiration? Sure. What was the trigger? What was the reason, the motivation? Tell me a bit about that. Sure. Well, I had uh, left Swarthmore College at the end of my sophomore year, and that was a big disappointment to my family. And quite honestly, it was a big disappointment to me, too. <laughs> And I didn't quite know where I fit in the world. And I thought, because I love learning so much, that I would even have, like, early in my life, I thought, I'll become like a PhD in philosophy, because what I care the most about, and I sense, uh, even uh, from the title of your show, Soul Talk, what you care so much about is the inner journey the meaning in life. And I thought, oh, you know, I'll study philosophy. And, but I soon discovered that studying philosophy in an academic setting uh, was not blowing my skirt up, so to speak. <laughs> and I ended up in the religious studies department. And before you know it, I was studying the writings of great mystics. Before you know it, in my sophomore year, there was a gentleman who was there on a Fulbright scholarship from Sri Lanka. He was just teaching for one year and he was teaching Buddhism and existentialism. So I immediately signed up for this class, of course. And he also introduced uh, meditation 
And I started meditating at this young age. And when I started meditating, it was the most meaningful thing I had ever come upon. And I thought, oh, there's actually a way I can find my own meaning. I don't have to go into the books of other people, into an academic rehash of someone else's journey. I can find my own. I can meditate. So here this is all happening and fomenting inside me. And when uh, this professor went back to Sri Lanka, I went with him and his family, uh, his wife and three kids. And I went on a journey, Sri Lanka, and then up into India and Nepal. And I went deep into the practice of meditation at that time, studying with the teacher, S.N. Goenka. And I'll, oh, I'll yeah. keep the, yeah. so for these 10-day deep wow. retreats, really formative, really important. And it was that point in my life where I guess the way I would put it is I gave myself mm. to the practice of meditation. And I said, if I could introduce as many people as possible to these types of inward ways of finding our own compass, our own knowing, our own truth, my life might actually have some meaning. So I guess I'm not going to finish college. What am I going to mm. do? And when I came back, my parents said, well, if you're not finishing college, <laughs> we're not supporting you. And I said, well, you shouldn't support me. And long story, but I came out to Boulder, Colorado. Why Boulder? And, uh, because Naropa University oh, was yeah. out here. And as I, I was experimenting, <laughs> could I get a college degree from any university? And I thought maybe I could study the psychology of meditation and understand the transformation and the journey that I went through for a year in Asia, mm -hmm. but I just didn't want to be in school. Mm -hmm. And the gist of the story is that I started interviewing spiritual teachers when I was 21 for Boulder County Community Radio. So this is before I think podcast was a word that was in the English language, you know, mm -hmm. we're going back now 37 years. I was just hosting for community radio an interview show because I had so many questions and I thought, I'll talk to spiritual teachers. That will help me. The professors aren't helping me, but maybe these teachers who come through Boulder, they can talk to me about some of the things that are really important to me. And my little interview show, you know, it, it, was, it wasn't all that popular, but at the end of the show, I'd maybe get a handful of requests. That was great. Can I get a copy of that? And so I bought a dubbing deck and I would make little cassette copies, you know, and sell them for 10 bucks. And Okay, well, that wasn't going to support me, but I did it anyway because I loved it. And then my father died. And when my father died, I inherited a small amount of money, $50,000. And it sounds like a really small amount of money. Well, I guess it depends who you are, how much money it sounds like, but to start a business. But in today's terms, it would be more like $200,000. Oh, wow. But remember, this is, you know, 37 years ago. Mm. And so one of the people that I was interviewing for my community radio show knew a lot about business. And I knew he knew a lot about business because he had on his door a yin-yang symbol with the dollar sign through the center of it. And it said <laughs> transformational economy. And I said to him, we were just having a conversation preparing for the interview show. And I said, I've inherited this small amount of money. What should I do with it? Mm. And he said, why don't you put it into yourself? And I was like, wow, great idea. That's like so interesting. But my, me and myself, we don't know what we're doing. Like, what would we do? <laughs> like, we don't know. And then he said to me, uh, why don't you come back in three days and we'll talk about it. And then, uh, Coot, uh, this is for real, a very strange event happened. And that strange event is I walked out of his office and I started feeling like I was walking slightly above the ground. 
So this mm. was very strange. Like, how come my feet are not hitting the ground, but I'm kind of walking three feet above the sidewalk? This is very odd. Mm. And then I heard a voice. And the voice said, disseminate spiritual wisdom. Wow. And then my feet hit the ground. And I started thinking about it. And as I started thinking about it, I was like, well, you know, I love radio and I love the interview. I already have a dubbing deck, you know? Okay. <laughs> Maybe I should start disseminating spiritual wisdom through audio. And in terms of books, well, that's another way I could do it. But books, that's a mature business. There's lots of competition. And God knows all the books I had to read in college. I'm kind of sick of that. And video, my parents watch TV and practically had dinner on TV trays. I don't want to do that. And so I was like, okay, I'll disseminate spiritual wisdom and I'll start with audio. And that's how Sounds True started. Mm. Wow. And you literally felt this levitation off the ground. It was like a real experience for you, huh? Oh yeah. I mean, it's not, I don't know if it was levitation, but I felt, I didn't feel like I was walking. The feeling. Yeah. 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 And you know, I've, I've of course told this story now many times and people often ask, well, what do you make of that voice? And you know, I started coming up with some different possible explanations, but recently I interviewed um, an 81-year-old Jungian analyst, James Hollis, whose work I love. And he said, you know, one of the ways you respect the mystery is you don't need to explain the mystery because then it wouldn't be the mystery, would it, Tammy? Yeah. Yeah. And I thought to myself, you know, I'm going to stop trying to explain that event because I don't know what happened. I don't know. Was it an angel? Was it my interior voice? Did I leave mm -hmm. my body? Like, I don't know what happened. I'm just reporting what you phenomenologically. Yeah, like yeah. what actually, what, what I experienced at mm -hmm. that age. Of course, now it's through memory, but still, I mean, I, mm -hmm. I remember it. I, I remember that. Yeah, exactly. So what happens there? So you hear this voice, you have, you have this radio show, the dubbing thing. And you just say, okay, sounds true, is born. I mean, was the process, no. did you, like what, no, what so, was the step to making that sure. leap to sounds true is here? I'm, I'm, sure. I'm actually going to go for this. Sure. Well, one thing to share that was happening at the time that I think is interesting contextually is I was reading a book by Eugene Genlin on focusing. So remember, this is the mid 80s. And in focusing, you pay attention to your body sensations. Mm -hmm. What is your body trying to tell you? Do you have a felt sense of things? And this was very interesting to me because you, you seem to light up when I mentioned studying with SN Goenka, Vipassana meditation in India. And that's also a practice where you're tracking body sensations. Yeah. So I was familiar with this idea of what's my body saying and listening to it. And so when I wasn't quite, my feet weren't quite on the ground and I heard this voice, I was flooded with sensations of euphoria. I knew this was important, mm. you know, like mm. anytime you've ever had an experience like that. And we, we've all, you're just like, oh my God, something really important is happening right now. So I knew that. Now I didn't know what to do with it, but I came back a few days later and I shared with this gentleman that I was interviewing. And he said, you know, that building over there, uh, I own that building and I'd be happy to rent you one of the rooms on the upper floor and you can go ahead and start your business. And I was like, that sounds great. Okay. <laughs> and then I had seen not just my own little dubbing deck, but I'd seen these machines at various workshops I'd gone to where you take one cassette master and they string them together and you can make mm -hmm. like a dozen just by going bam, three minutes. And I was like, okay, you know, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to the events I want to go to anyway that I can't afford to go to. So Ramdas comes into town. He's teaching wow. for the weekend. I want to go anyway. I'll sit in the back of the room 
put my headphones on. I don't have to interact with everyone else. That was a great relief too. I'm like, I'm working. I got my headphones on, you know, sit in the back of the room, record this event. I'll say to whoever the teacher is, I'll give you a submaster copy. You'll get a master professionally recorded copy of this workshop and you can do whatever you want with it. What I'd like to do is make copies right afterwards, sell them to the people who are leaving and I'll give you a, a, we'll split the profits once I make cover my costs of being there. Mm. Of course, I, you know, my costs were just my time and I wanted to go to the workshop anyway. And an amazing number of people said yes. So you would just, you would just ask the, 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 the authors, the teachers and see if they'd be willing. And, and it, it dovetailed beautifully with my little community radio show because a lot of these authors wanted me to announce in advance awesome. that their workshop was coming. So I was like, I'm happy to announce your workshop. And over the phone, we'll do an interview. And by the way, when you come to town two months later, can I come and record you? And it won't cost you anything. So anyway, people, it's, it's, and before you, before you know it, I had accumulated hundreds of cassette masters. They covered an entire wall. And I thought they were just a bunch of unedited workshops. And then I met someone who had a background in creating direct mail catalogs. And he looked at this whole wall of cassette masters and he said, you know, Tammy, you're sitting on a gold mine. Wow. And I said, I don't think that's a gold mine. I think it's a bunch of unedited, unedited workshop recordings. And he said, no, we have to present each one like it's a standalone information product. It needs a cover. It needs a description. It need, and I was like, well, look, if we're going to present them that way, I need to edit them properly because they're not edited. That means that there's announcements about taking bathroom breaks and, uh, you know, mm -hmm. and we started a partnership where he would design the covers and create the direct mail catalog and where I got the authors to agree to a financial arrangement. And then I would do all the editing in the evenings and the weekends. And it was on a reel to reel machine with a razor blade. I kid <laughs> you not. Uh, and tape. And, you know, I would sit there uh, eating popcorn and trying not to get the grease onto the tape, you know, uh, destructive editing. Like if you destroyed it, oh, my God, you had to go back to the cassette master, bump it up to the reel to reel yeah. tape so you could edit yeah. it. And yeah. And that's how we got started. Incredible. I had no, I didn't know that that part of the story. It, it's amazing because I think now when you look at Sounds True now, everything seems so polished and there's this, this publishing media theme and it, it just, it started by you following your inner voice, you know, your essence. And one thing just sounds like one thing led to the next, next thing. And doesn't seem like there was some great master plan or strategy or. There definitely was not. <laughs> there was definitely not a great master plan. Now, people yeah. who look at the business say, you know, oh my God, that's the definition of an organically mm -hmm. grown business. Mm -hmm. And quite honestly, I think that's just a little bit how I operate. Like mm -hmm. I kind of have my nose close to the ground. So I'm like smelling the ground. I don't know how else to put it, but like a bloodhound. And I'm like smelling for where's the right place to go. Okay. A couple of questions then. Yeah. How, how much of creation success do you feel is, or life actually, is actually in our control? You know, there's a kind of a school of thought of you make your reality happen. You make shit happen. It's you. It's all on you. Go do it. Go create your reality. Boom. And then there's the sort of school of thought of just 
you know, allow it to happen. Life is happening. Life is unfolding. And, sure. and so how much do you think, how much do you think we we're in control of? Sure. Because it just felt like it happened so organically for you. you. You didn't really have this plan. You were following this passion and it just unfolded. Sure. Well, Versus I mean, willing your way through. Right. Of course, no. Of course, I'm, I'm curious to know what you think too, Coot, about this mm. question. But, you know, without getting too abstract, because I don't really live my life in an abstract way, like some yeah. abstract answer. But my actual experience is that there are important choices that I make, not willing things to happen, more like following my conscience or following my soul or doing the right thing, more like that. And what that means to me is that uh, each step of the way, there have been courageous choices I've had to make. It's not just like, oh, this was given to you. And then this was, you could just sit back and <laughs> smoke a big doobie and it's all going to happen. Like, no, I had to make, and I still make every day, difficult choices. Mm -hmm. And those difficult choices are things like, do I tell the person the hard truth right now? Well, that's a choice point. That's a choice point. I could not do that. I could just, no, too risky. But, you know, if you're going to be successful uh, working with other people, you have to share a lot of hard truths. And it's uncomfortable. I'm just giving this as an example yeah, of a okay. place where I see the choice point for myself. Got it. You know what I mean? I have yeah. things written on my list that I don't want to do, that I need to do, that are hard. Mm -hmm. Saying no to people about certain things. I'm just sharing what's hard for me. Yeah. But I also know that what's more important than anything else to me. I don't know how else to kind of say it, but it's like doing what I know is in integrity, doing, mm. following my conscience, being courageous, um, being truthful. Like I have to do those things. And what I've noticed in my life is when I do, so that's like my part, I'm doing my part. I think the universe has a bigger part than my part, uh, but I have to do my part. You know, I work with a woman, she's so brilliant. Her name's Sybil and she runs our direct to consumer business. And she taught me something that I just love. She's like, you know, I feel like I'm, this is Sybil talking. I'm 30% responsible for what happens. The universe is 70%. But guess what? I do my 30%, 100%. Ah, that's great. <laughs> yeah. And this is how she, she operates in business. Like, okay, what's the 30% for us to do? Be honorable have fair deals, make excellent products, give it everything you have, be prepared when you're doing something, do your homework, don't, you know, all of that. So that's the, but then 70% is left up to the mystery and you got to lean into that and let the mystery lead. You talked about following your nose and this sense of feeling following your nose. Can you speak a bit more about that in terms of, okay, following my nose, I feel, okay, Tammy, I feel this, this thing pulling me over here, but then, but I feel this other thing pulling me over here. And how do I know what's my nose and what's a sort of, you know, unconscious reaction, but I think it's my nose or it's just an sure. impulse. And, and, sure. and where's the discernment between sure. what truly is the, the soul nudging the nose versus yeah. just an emotional reaction that we're, we're following. Right. Well, I think that's why, you know, even at a young age, even when I was 21 and I had discovered this book, on focusing, and it talked about tuning into body sensations. I trust my uh, kind of felt sense of things. Mm. So for example, 
and this is something that maybe a lot of people can can relate to. Like, uh, oh, okay, I'm just going to share with you what occurs to me. When I met my wife, who's we've mm-hmm. now been together for 20 years, and she yeah. touched me, I was so like, physically. okay, physically, she touched me. Just my my hand, you know, her hand touched my hand. Mm-hmm. I knew. I was like, okay, I'm in completely. I am in because I felt like, you know, and when other people touch you, like, you know, like this is even not only about love, like, you know, if you're going to go get a massage or something mm. and the moment someone puts their hands on you, 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 you know, like this is going to be a good massage or this is not going to be a good massage, you know, within seconds, you know, of they, and so what I'm getting at is I do think we have that very tactile, very immediate, very sensate knowing if we don't think too much about it, if we yeah. get too analytical and too whatever, then it's like, well, it would be the right thing to do because my ego would get this or whatever. But it's like, what does it feel like inside? So I know when I'm excited about something. I know when I'm turned on. I know when the, I, like, I, I have a sense of that. And I know when I feel flat. And I know when I'm not interested at all. <laughs> I know those things. And so I have to follow that kind of natural enthusiasm. And when things are sort of dry and dusty and not interesting, I got to walk away. Mm. And that can sometimes take a a lot of courage to walk away from certain situations, especially Mm. if they look like, whatever, but who cares? Mm. Who cares? You got to be into it. You don't have that much time here. Mm. Mm. You know, you talk about courage, but I actually thought when you were speaking earlier, when you first started Sounds True, you know, a lot of what stops people from following that knowing, following that voice, putting themselves out there is fear, you know, some sure. kind of fear, fear of rejection, fear of what people will say. And did you feel fear then? It, it just sounds like you're following it. Do you feel yeah. fear? How do, you, how, how do you deal with the fear that, that sure. arises when you're sure. either in that moment or when you're let's say expanding things, the business to the next level or making certain decisions, like how do you manage your fear? Sure. Well, there's a lot of, a lot of questions in there. So I think as a young person, I didn't feel afraid to start sounds true because I didn't really have anything to lose. I mean, what I said to myself is this is an experiment. I'm currently unemployable. (laughs) Let's just, (laughs) I'm currently unemployable. This money came to me as a gift from my family. I'm going to give this a shot. If it doesn't work, then I'll be where most people find themselves, which is having to get a job and find their way. And I can just go back and that's plan B. Okay, but why don't I just give this a try as an experiment? So I just saw it kind of experimentally. Now, through the course of of running Sounds True, I've had a lot of really difficult moments and fearful moments. Moments where we lost money and made some uh, bad decisions, where I made bad decisions, and I've had to let employees go as a result, and I've been afraid would would I, we have to sell the building, that building that we owned, that was my sense of what my like retirement pathway would be. Not that I really believe in retirement, but I guess long-term savings pathway. And you know, the person I was working with at the time is, well, it looks like we're going to have to sell the building. And I was like, we're not going to sell the building. We're going to figure something else out. But I guess what I'm saying is there have been tough times and times when I've really felt afraid uh, and afraid about other things, too. I mean, it took, a, it took a lot of courage for me as a person to come from. Remember, I told you that in the beginning, I like to sit in the back of the room with headphones on and kind of be yeah. anonymous. So I liked that role a lot. 
And I was like, you know, I'll make the teachers look great. And I, when I edited people, I always like made them shine. You know, I would edit out an on ah, um, a repetition, anything that didn't make sense. I mean, I would, I was like, oh, wow, I've never sounded so good. And I was like, that's my contribution. And at a certain point, I realized I had to come out from hiding. I was hiding. Or as Jung says, many of us walk in shoes that are too small. I knew that my shoes were too small. The outfit I was wearing was too small. It was really bad. It was like I was in a bikini that was too small. And that's terrible when you realize that, you know, <laughs> you have got to change your outfit. Yeah. So I knew that. And I knew I was going to have to come out and uh, be a person and not just be a behind the scenes supporter. I was terrified, utterly terrified. Somehow I thought I would be like burned at the stake, uh, executed, uh, crucified. I don't know, all of these images just for sharing my views about things, just for having a conversation like the kind of conversation we're having right now, mm-hmm. let alone hosting events in front of you know thousands of people and things like that. I was really, really afraid. And, you know, was it past life wounds? Was it just fear of rejection, fear of humiliation, uh, fear of looking stupid? You know, all that, all that. And then I just decided, well, you know, I didn't really have, in a way, I didn't have a choice. That's why I'm saying, like, wearing a bikini that's too small, you can just imagine that, uh, you know, uh, meaning your your body has outgrown your body has outgrown it. You've got to change. So I mm-hmm. knew it, and I knew I had to try. And you know, I prayed really hard inside, mm-hmm. and I had to pray really hard, like just things like God, make this go well. Give me strength. May I not look like an idiot. May what I'm doing <laughs> may what I'm doing be helpful to other people. May something come through that's genuine and uplifts people, that's good medicine for our time. Help me, help me, please help me. Mm. And then what I noticed was that there was this support. Oh my God, things kind of went okay. And sometimes they didn't just go okay, they went really, really well. And I was like, and I started feeling that there's actually almost like a wind. You know, that, you know, when people say like, you know, the wind beneath my wings or whatever, I felt it. I could feel it. And I was like, oh, you can trust that. You can lean into that. Keep going, Tammy, keep going. And then it got to a point where I wasn't that afraid. And now after all of this, you know, I'm much more in a place where, look, some people are going to love you. Some people aren't. Mm. Nothing you can really, I mean, some people, Tammy, you know, whatever. And I've gotten all kinds of comments and all kinds of feedback, but you know, the negative feedback. It, it actually big deal. Mm. No, no one's burning me at the stake. They're just mm. saying X, Y, Z kind of mean comment. Mm. Okay. I can live through some mean comments. You know what I mean? That's not going to, that's not going to ruin my day. Tear me down. I mean, it hurts a little, but okay. Don't read them. Keep mm. moving. The bigger thing, which is letting life work through us to express through us so we can be fully alive and give our gifts, that's so much more compelling than shrinking out of fear of a few mean comments on social media. Mm. Mm. I love that. Focusing on that bigger, that bigger vision. Yeah. What you're serving and also just being true. 
So the example, you know, when I finally made an audio series, uh, a six-hour series where I shared a lot of the insights that I'd had interviewing different spiritual teachers and also the journey of creating a business that operates according to multiple bottom lines, I called it being true because I realized that's the highest value for me. What does being true true mean? Right. So being true to me means... Uh, following the inner evolutionary impulse, following your daemon inside, if you want to use that word, following the inner genie that lives inside of you, that thing in you that says, you know what I'd really like to do? What I'd really like to do is talk to XYZ person on my podcast. That's what I'd really like to do. That would be so much fun. So guess what? I'm going to do it. You know what I think would really serve people? This would really serve people. This is a real need. I want to be, I want to speak out on this topic. I'm going to do it. So it's being true to that, uh, being true to the perspectives that I have. So for example, in this conversation, saying to you, I'm not going to try to explain the mystery. I'm going to let the mystery be a mystery. That's an example of being true. Because I realized I was like, oh, you know, people want an answer and a smart person would have an answer. And you know, no, no, I don't have an answer. It's a mystery. And so there's so many, op- we have so many actual opportunities uh, to be true. And I think we all know it. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, when you're posing, you yeah. yeah, you know, when you're posing, you know, or bullshitting or use whatever mm-hmm. language you want. Someone asks you a question and you're making up some bullshit answer. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's the opposite of being true. Being true is simply saying, that's a really good question. I don't know. Mm. Really, really interesting. What do you think? Mm. It's, for example, it could be all kinds of situations. Mm. 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 Digesting. I'm digesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. In terms of, um, here's a question I wanted to ask. And uh, of all the teachers that you've, interviewed and seen and published and I'm wondering which ones have impacted you the most and why? Yeah. Well, you know, I've learned so much from so many different people that I've worked with. Uh, But I'll, I'll share with you right now. Um, four teachers that come to mind that have been very influential in, in my life. Uh, the first is Reggie Ray. I studied somatic meditation with Reggie for 15 years. And through that practice and through studying with Reggie, I really discovered how to feel connected with the earth in my lived experience moment to moment. So the, it's not like I'm a human being on top of the earth. I'm actually an extension, the body as an extension of the energy field of the earth. And it helped me really be grounded as a person and to really have a sense of primordial intuition. Uh, So I learned so much from studying with Reggie and studying this particular type of meditation that is body-based and earth-based. Now I'm gonna tell you two people who I consider friends and it's interesting because, you know, what is friendship? Uh, it's, to me, it's one of the most valuable and rare things 
in my life to have someone who I would say, this person is really a friend. There's a heart bond there. There's a sense of I would do anything for this person and they would do anything for me. And I would put in that category, and I'm privileged to be able to call these people friends, Carolyn Mace and Adya Shanti, mm-hmm. two very unusual people who I think have met the unusualness in me and affirmed it and loved me in a special way that just means the world to me. You know, Yeah, I could talk about their teachings, but it's who they are, their friendship. Mm-hmm. And then the last person is someone who writes under the pen name A.H. Almas. Yeah. And his name is Hamid Ali. And when I read Hamid's books and when I work with the teachings of the diamond approach, uh, everything kind of comes together and makes sense to me. And I feel uh, a sense of like I'm being propelled on a growth journey where there's more here than what I know now. And there's always more, and there's always more, and there's always more, and there's always more. So it's incredibly uh, exciting to me. And also it makes me feel um, like there's a path for me. Like, oh, Tammy, look, look at this. And it's like, oh yeah, I didn't really get that before. Now I get it, now it makes sense. So the diamond approach and the work of age on this is really important to me. All amazing. Amazing teachers. I'm not as familiar with Reggie Ways, but uh, Carolyn Mace, one of the audio series that I used to listen to. It sounds true. It's classic. It's a classic yep. one. And Ajashanti, definitely. Uh, th- I think there's a, there's a lots of folks that are listening that are either in the spiritual field, the self-help field, the healing field. Um, some are maybe teachers listening, authors listening. They want to be coaches or teachers listening. And you've seen so many uh, teachers, authors, a wide range. I would love to know from what you've observed, what what do you feel, what advice could you give those listening in terms of your observations, your experience of what really makes uh, an effective teacher, an authentic teacher, uh, a a great teacher from what sure. you've seen? Like what, what, sure. what, what, what are some of those qualities and, and, sure. and, and that you can guide people with? Well, the first thing that occurs to me is uh, a really deep humility, very, very deep humility. I mean, I think I see so many people who come to Sounds True with their programs submitting for possible publication, and they present themselves, uh, first of all, as much further along on the spiritual journey than they appear to be to me. And I'm like, why, why do people like jump so far? Like they think they know so much more than they do. Like, why not stay in that mode of always learning? You can teach and be a learner at the same time instead of kind of propping yourself up because prop yourself up and you will fall down. So I think it's like keeping your feet on the ground, stay learning. Uh, and then um, the other thing that occurs to me is Give voice to what's original in you. All of those people that I named are originals. And with this word original, there's a connection to the origin, to the source. You know, a lot of teachers, they they reshuffle other people's ideas. And, you know, it's just not that interesting. Mm -hmm. It's not that interesting Mm -hmm. to the audience. They've read the same books you've read. (laughs) 
you're reshuffling a bunch of other thoughts and it, it just stays at the surface. Whereas if you go deep, if each one of us actually were to go deep into our own experience, which also means going deep into our own darkness, our own places where there's no reference points. You're not using other people as a reference point. Nobody, not any teaching you've read, you know, because if you're using all the teachings you read, then you're a recapitulation. You're like a, a facsimile of someone else, you know? But if you're actually like, oh, I don't have a reference point. What's real? What's actually true? What do I really have to share? What, what's meaningful to me? What supports me when nothing else supports me? What's my life like without a reference point? And you're able to come from that place and teach from that place and speak from that place. Then suddenly it's like, oh, wow, this, got, this, this person has my attention. This is interesting. I haven't heard that before. It's not like every other be your best self proposal I've read. The humility, originality. I think that's so true. Is, is there anything else? Yeah, do it's kind of like sometimes I get I see people's proposals and things and I see and I'm like, wow, this person needs to like go back into the oven for a little bit. And it reminds me just to use the image of like a chocolate chip cookie that is not mm. cooked yet. And it doesn't have to be a cookie because cook, the thing about cookies is they're good even when they're raw. So maybe this isn't <laughs> the right this is maybe this is not the right metaphor, but I just think to myself that person needs to spend some more time cooking. Like they're not cooked yet. And that is in a way a sense about this humility thing, like Really let yourself go deep. That's what people need. We don't need more surface influencers. You know, this is just my view. Uh, we, we, need, we need people who have touched a, a, a real depth in their mm. own experience through their mm. own journey. And that's what they're sharing from. Mm. Why is it so scary for, for us as human beings to to go into that depth and darkness. Yeah, well, because the ego structure we created doesn't make it through. <laughs> it doesn't get to come with us. So when we go into the, you know, just going into the darkness is kind of a metaphor for this experience. But when we do that, we don't have uh, a known framework. And so we're truly in the unknown. Are we going to come out rich and famous? Well, we might not. Okay. What if we come out? What if we, what if we don't know how we're going to come out? Yeah. We don't know. We don't know. And, you know, people want all these assurances all the time that their security needs, that's the rich and famous thing are going to be, are going to be met. And to just have enough faith, real faith in life itself, creation itself, that you can let go of your identity, uh, your security fixations, uh, your need to be more fabulous than the next person, et cetera, you know, your, your measuring tool of how you measure that, and to let go of all of that and say instead, you know, I'm really interested in discovering what's actually true. That, that is a tremendously um, courageous move. And wanting what's real to be more important to you 
than what everybody else congratulates you for. Hmm. Yeah, it is. And we live in a culture that doesn't have a lot of support for that. You know, I yeah. think if anything, yeah. our, our cultural, our current cultural world keeps us on the surface, distracted, competitive, <clears throat> uh, et cetera. How, how do you see, when, when you look at, I mean, you've been in this field uh, very immersed for almost four decades. And so how, how, how do you see the evolution of the, the sort of spiritual scene, self-help, personal development, personal growth, transformation, the evolution? Because I'm sure now it's probably quite different than 30, 40 years ago. And sure. so how do you see that evolution? What have you seen? And how do you see it now? And I guess, where do you see it going? I mean, how do you see spirituality and the way we do this process of self-help, personal development, spirituality sure. uh, evolving? Just curious your thoughts on that. Sure. Well, there's a lot there. It's a big question. Uh, so when I started uh, back in 1985, when Sounds True started, the world's wisdom traditions, the great religions of the world, people were still interested in that stuff. They were interested in the mystical side, so they were interested in Gnostic Christianity, not just Christianity, and the Kabbalah, not just Judaism, Sufism, not just Islam. But they were like, yeah, let's learn about the mystical aspects of these great traditions. I have found that interest from when I started till today has gone down tremendously. People, aren't, people don't care if it's thousands of years old. People want to know more what's coming next, not what our great history is. So that's interesting, just in terms of the collective. Mm. So also when I started, you know, mm. if you said uh, something like, if you use the word meditation, people are like, okay, that's, that's for people who are interested in Buddhism and maybe Hare Krishnas or whatever. Now you can say Buddhism uh, in a health clinic, in a business setting, uh, you know, in, in government, in any environment, and people understand because of all the neuroscience of the past 10 to 20 years that this is a way actually that we uh, calm our nervous system, that we become more grounded, more effective, uh, that we're able to pause and uh, uh, be more skillful at work. And it's widely accepted. So that's changed. I mean, in general, it's a great, great time for people to be doing inner work. I think if anything, the thing that just hmm, I would encourage is don't mistake putting your feet in the water for the deep end. Like it's great to use all these apps and it's great to kind of get a sense that yoga and, and breath work practices and things can um, help you function better. Mm -hmm. But go into the, that's good. I would call that though kind of the shallow end or the starting point, which is fine. It's great that so many people have their feet in the water. Awesome. Let's go into the deep end. And in the deep end, you confront the absolute deepest questions of your soul, mm -hmm. which is why I like your show, Soul Talk, and why I like you. Because it's clear to me that that's what you're doing. And sometimes I wonder, do, are, 
are people just like, do they not, they, they, they want to <laughs> stay on the surface or something, or maybe they haven't had the same kind of suffering, or yeah. maybe they don't have the kind of existential um, wiring that I have. So, you know, my, my wife said to me at one point, you have more existential angst than anyone I've ever met. Mm. Anyone ever. And I thought, I know it's weird. Why do I, and I think that it's because I don't hang my hat anywhere. Anytime I put my hat on, meaning, oh yeah, that's interesting. I know it's not solid. I know, you know, uh, this this gentleman James Hollis. I love what he said. Answers are about the past. All of your answers that you've come to—that's what you know from your past. Mm-hmm. It's your questions. It's your really good questions your soul talk questions that bring you into the future. So I think too many people, they get a bunch of answers and they're, they're reasonable, they're okay. And they hold on to them like they're their new religion. And I think to myself, why? Why did they get stuck there? And I think some of that is because people aren't working in communities with teachers that are challenging them, with other people that are challenging them. But life always challenges us, so that's okay. Life comes around and slaps everybody you know, every which way that's what life does. But anyway, that's my take on the current spiritual landscape. Where do you see it going in terms of like the technology and metaverse and virtual reality? And I mean, are you hopeful? Are you excited about all of that integrating into our lives and spiritual practices? You know, it's almost like sometimes these, these devices too kind of sure. start disconnecting us from, ourselves from our feeling you know we just walk around like this totally disconnected and so sure I, I, for me it's a question is is it better are we going down a path that is going to disconnect us even more sure well i think we each have to have a level of discipline with how we relate to our devices and make sure that we're spending time not connected to our devices but instead connected to nature and each other and empty space and other things. So I think we have to, as contemporary spiritual warriors, that has to be a part of our discipline in terms of our devices. In terms of where it's all going, I mean, we're not going to have an interesting spiritual journey for humans in 30 or 40 years unless our deep inner commitment to goodness expresses itself in terms of solving our collective climate crisis and our uh, collective crises that we face as humanity, where we are so divided and issues of uh, uh, racial injustice and economic injustice, I think there's no longer an option. It's not optional to be a spiritual practitioner and not be deeply concerned with the fate of the human species and bringing all of that love and care and enthusiasm and uh, reverence for creation into our social structures. We have to reinvent all of them. Business needs to get reinvented. Our educational system needs to get reinvented. How we care for the sick needs to get reinvented. Government, all of it. It all has to be platformed on interdependence and deep care for every human being, which is not what it's been platformed on. So that's the work of our time for the spiritual activists that I hope we are. And we need to use our 
our spiritual journey as fuel to do that work. And then wherever we find ourselves, if we're a teacher, then help recreate education. If you're a nurse, help create the, the medical profession. For me, I'm a business person. So I want to change how we do business. And is it possible to have a true uh, stakeholder honoring where every single stakeholder in the business, which includes, of course, the authors, of course, our customers, of course, our employees, of course, our investors, but take it further. The ideas are stakeholders. Are they well-respected? Are they revered? Are they presented in their depth and integrity? What if the future is a stakeholder, future generations? How are we creating programs, books, so that in a hundred years, people will still find value out of them? So that's how I think. It's like we have to be cultural uh, reinventors now. And that's the real spirituality of our time. Cultural reinventors, huh? Yeah, I don't know. I made that word up. I'm not quite sure what you would call it. But we we can't, you know, I mean, Buckminster Fuller said almost 50 years ago, 50 years from now, we will be reinventing, we will be recreating all the structures of this society that don't reflect the realization of interdependence that we now know is the case. And the thing is, if you start meditating, and I don't care if you're using an app, I don't care what you're doing. If you if you if you're at it, for any length of time, you have a discovery of every single molecule in creation being related to every other single molecule in an ever-changing interconnected web. It's not that hard to get there. You get there. And then you're not meditating or you're not on an ayahuasca trip or you're not doing whatever you're doing, but instead you're living your life and you're coming back where you're in this oppositional framework and you know where your success is at someone else's expense, something like that. And it just doesn't, you know, you'll go crazy. You can't live that way. You have to recreate the ground you live on. You know, the business you work in, the community that you're a part of, the school that your kid goes to. It has to it has to reflect these deep values that you discover mm -hmm. through inner work. Tammy, you 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 have a how many employees does Sounds True have now? It's about 150. 150. So you start off at 22, 150 employees now. You're dealing with people. Oh, Persona yeah. Personalities, uh, conditioning, just stuff. Different reality, 150 different realities on the surface. I'm curious, um, what did you learn about being a leader in terms of leadership? Sure. And, and leading people, managing people, synchronizing people, harmonizing sure. people. Well, what was that? Because that's well, not I something think I'm, I'm learning. So first of all, I'm learning. And the okay. biggest thing is my own growth. You know, uh, there's a gentleman named Steve McAdam, who's part of a program Sounds True put together called the Inner MBA. And Steve McAdam was the CEO of a company called Enpro, which is a public company that, uh, has north of a billion dollars in revenue. It's a manufacturing company. Mm -hmm. And I learned this from Steve. And he talked about it as a leader's growth imperative, that your company can only flourish as much as the leadership is continuing to grow. You will become, you yourself, your lack of development will become the cap 
on your business's success. So I was like, I don't want to do that. I don't want, I don't want to be that. I better keep growing. What does that mean? Well, that means, first of all, I need to be in contact with powerful people who call me out. And that means a therapist. That means a business coach. That means an organizational psychologist who says, you know, Tammy, this part. I have to listen to the people I work with when they give me feedback about how some of my behaviors, they may have a good side, but often some of our best behaviors also have a downside. And I need to be aware of that. And how I can, uh, for example, uh, historically I had a habit where I would over-dominate in meetings when I felt impassioned about something. And I thought I was moving things forward and inspiring people. And some of the feedback was, yeah, you are doing that and that's great, but can we have a voice too? Like, can you be a little quieter and make more room for the rest of us? And I was like, oh my God, I have to focus. Even when I'm turned on and, you know, as a leader, you have so much influence in the room more awareness about saying less, not more, because of how much influence you have every time you open your mouth. And so to be on a growth journey and really committed to it, well, first of all, I think that's, um, that's a big part of uh, what I find fulfilling in life is growing. I don't, I don't really know why it's so fulfilling. It's hard, uh, uh, but I, I love it. I mean, it's kind of like the same thing as like loving learning. Like some people just love to learn. I love to grow and, uh, and have new insights about myself. And in, there's so, so, we talked about all these people, surrounded by all these people. What a great way to grow. You know, I thought about it. It's like sometimes people say, well, you know, intimacy is the real spiritual path. And I, God, you grow a lot in an intimate partnership because, you know, your partner's got so much feedback. They know everything about you. Yeah. If you ever want to know where you could grow, just ask your partner. They know the whole, they know the whole deal. Well, now at work, you have that times a lot of other people mm. who are seeing you in other situations and they're seeing you under stress, which is great. Mm. You know, it's relatively easy to be, you know, the, the great sage when there isn't, you know, a bunch of emails coming at you that include lawsuits, uh, people, you know, whatever, you know, hard stuff, really uh, people who are upset uh, about things, you know, I mean, lawsuits mean like people just not even for a good reason. They're just like, you know, that cover looks like, like, yeah. I mean, I don't know people, you know, whatever. So you, how do you stay in your, in your uh, kind of warmest, most loving, most grounded, connected place when you're under a whole lot of stress? Well, that's mm. interesting to me. And business gives you that opportunity working with other people to do that. I like it. That's cool. So cool. Uh, final couple of questions, Tammy. And just, I, I've just been eating up this conversation, loving this conversation. Personally, I'm just learning, learning so much, just listening and uh, through osmosis as well, I feel like just listening to you. So thank you so much for just sharing just so honestly and generously with us today. Um, what do you feel is the next level of your, for you? Sure. What, what, what's, 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 what, what's scary for you as in a good way is the next sure. level where, where you feel like that's where I need to, that's where we need to go. That's where I need to go. Is there, is there anywhere that sure. comes up when I say that? Sure. Well, you know, I'm turning 60 next year. 
And for whatever reason, thank you. For whatever reason, it feels significant to me. And I know some people, oh, age, whatever. Whatever. For me, this birthday and this passage feels significant. And I think part of what is significant and, and part of what I'm exploring right now is uh, how to um, move from being uh, a doer to a mentor. And, you know, it used to be I got so much creative pleasure. I told you about how I would edit the audio tapes and I, it was very fulfilling to me. Got so much satisfaction out of that. And then throughout uh, the many years, it sounds true, so much satisfaction out of like, coming up with the, the title that's like, ah, oh, that's really cool. Or writing things myself, writing, you know, and putting my fingerprints like all over a project. And now it's more like, huh, your job, Tammy, is to let the people who work at Sounds True do a lot of that creative work. And for you to kind of hold the DNA of the company, it's, it's deep heart center, uh, it's deep purpose in the world. And then let go, let go, let go. Let other people uh, have so much creative freedom and then celebrate the great things they make. And if it wasn't exactly like, like you would do it, wonderful, it might be better. And a lot of times it is better. So it's this letting go and moving it more into mentorship and, and really not needing to do, do, do. I love that. It's growth. It's evolution. It, it's a natural evolutionary process. Yeah. I'm in it. I'm excited to see uh, what unfolds from that next phase of, of, of evolution for you and sounds true. Um, final question. Uh, you've, said, you've shared a lot today, so some of it might overlap. But if you were to look through your life, ups, downs, learning, successes, failures, relationships, business, and if you were to distill the three most the three most important lessons that if you could only pass these lessons to the next generation that you feel okay here's the three most important lessons that would evolve the consciousness of the next generation the most these are the three things that i would pass on to the children of tomorrow i would say from my life experience put your intimate relationship at the center of your life and make it unbelievably awesome. Can you, can you repeat that again? Put yeah, your... put your intimate relationship, your marriage, your partnership with your spouse, whatever mm. that is, put it at the center and make it unbelievably awesome. Don't treat it like it's, oh, you know, it's okay, but you know, whatever. And I don't know. I'm not sure this person's really the right person for me. If they're not really the right person for you, then get out and find the person that you can do this with. And then make that the centerpiece, a centerpiece of your life. Because what I found is that that relationship is what has healed my deepest wounds, mm. my deepest sense of not belonging, uh, of being an exile, of being a weirdo, of not feeling loved, all that. And I don't know how else you heal that stuff unless mm. you actually have someone loving you and you're loving them and you're offering them that gift. And now you have a couple people who are, are healed. And mm. that love, that love of that intimacy 
it becomes a gift to everyone in your life. All the people who hang out with you, your whole community, it becomes a gift to next, the next generation beyond you. It's like, oh, these are people who really knew how to forgive each other and love each other and honor each other and respect each other and sacrifice for each other and hold each other up and adore each other. So that's the first thing I would say is make that a priority. Don't make it like an extra. Yes. Uh, Okay. That's the first thing. Then the second thing is uh, take a risk on your creativity. Go ahead. Be a creative soul. We all are. Whatever it is, whatever your, how, whatever, however your creativity wants to express through you. Is that cooking a meal? Is that making a dress? Is that writing a letter to your future? Is that starting a podcast? God knows we could always have another one. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, whatever it might be, put or take, invest in your creativity, your creative expression, what wants to come through you, what feels fun to you. Like what sounds fun? Do you want to go collect pine cones and, you know, make a, a pine, co- pine cone art in your house? Great. Make a whole wall. Cover it with pine cone art. Go for it. Uh, so that would be number two. Like be a creative person. Don't just be like a spectator watching the creative sport of other people on Netflix. No, be a creator. Well, I'll tell you what occurs to me. Yeah, please. Whatever shows I've up. Never, I've never said it before, but uh, really have a loving relationship with animals, mm. all kinds of animals, uh, and the whole natural world. Like, feel connected. Don't just feel like, oh, we're humans. We're at the apex of the thing. We're doing the human thing. Cool. No, have a connection with uh insects and dogs and elephants and dirt because uh, there's so many little animals that live inside the dirt like feel your own animalness we're animals we're the human animal but we're still animals and i think something changes when we know that part of ourselves. when we know our animal instincts when we know our animal soul there's something about that i trust in people who have that kind of connection there's a warmth and a realness, and I think it goes a long way. Beautiful. Tammy, thank you so much. Really, it's uh, digesting the conversation. I'm touched by the conversation. Uh, it's, it's honestly, it's a privilege and honor to meet you in person. In, in some ways, you, you and your work have been with me for 22 years, so a deep appreciation. Just know that I'm someone you've, you've impacted in a big way. So I wanted to just say thank you in person at some point. But for now, a a virtual big hug. What's the best way people can find out about just you? Just come to to SoundsTrue.com. You'll see it all there. Awesome. All right. Beautiful. This was a very special conversation with the amazing Tammy Simon, founder of SoundsTrue. Check out SoundsTrue.com and check out all all of the amazing programs available there. Uh, send me an email, everyone, kublaxon at kublaxon.com. I want to know your key takeaways from today's episode. Until next week, love now. Big hugs. If you've enjoyed this episode of Soul Talk, please do share the podcast with all of your friends. Let everyone know and make sure you download Soul Talk today. I'm looking forward to next week where I'll get to share more inspiration with you. Meanwhile, follow me on Facebook, 
Instagram, or social media. You can find out more about my work at www.cooplaxon.com. If you feel ready to take your life to the next level, join me at my exclusive event in Bali, www.boundlessblissbali.com, where you can find out more and apply. Also, make sure to remember to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment at coopblackson.com. Sending you all big hugs and love now.